Well, amen, right? We just sang that, so so be it. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, praise team, so much. Get a podium out here. All right, good to be with you this morning. Thank you for being here to our sunrise service, amen? Our nine o'clock service, the early bird. Thank you for getting up early and getting ready and be here in the Lord's house. And I'm honored to be here this morning. I really appreciate your pastor and my friend, Brother Ross, for inviting me to come this morning. I really, I've seen some familiar faces already this morning, so some of you I know, but anyway, I'm just honored to be here this morning, and I appreciate your pastor so much. I love Pastor Ross and Miss Beth, and I just want to say to you, church, let me just say this. Thank you so much for investing in your pastor and his wife and their family and presenting them with a sabbatical. People just don't understand uh, the toils of ministry until you've been there. And so I really appreciate you seeing the need to, for your pastor to have a sabbatical. Thank you so much, The Grove. I really appreciate that. I know Ross and Beth and their family really appreciate it as well. It's a time of rest, a time of renewal, a time of revival for them, and also a time of recreation. So he can really get reacquainted with his family, right? And so he invests so much in the body of Christ. So thank you, church, for investing in your pastor. It means so much. I was at Lindsay Lane for 28 years. And after my 20th year, they gave me a sabbatical. And so for the last eight years of my ministry, I had the month of July off. And it really helped me. I got to visit other churches and see what the other churches were doing. And I would go in there and I would just look around and I would take things. And my staff hated when I went on sabbatical because I came back with a lot of stuff. And I, stuff that would fit our church. And so anyway, you learn that way. You get to hear other pastors and visit other churches. So thank you for doing that. Actually, this is my second time to be here at the Grove. I was here when it was Maple Grove. In about 1996, I believe it was, or 97, I preached in the old sanctuary there for my dear friend, uh, Gary Scrimpture. He was a pastor here then. It was called Maple Grove, so I, this is my second time. But anyway, it's been a long time in between. So thank you for being here today. I really appreciate you coming. Open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll get, that, we'll get there momentarily, but I, I want to speak today on this subject. I really am burdened today for the church because the church is the body and bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to talk about that today. I really do. I want to encourage you today. I've come this way to encourage you. I hope you'll be encouraged when you leave. But also, in my ministry, I have the gift of exhortation. And that's the gift of encouragement. But I also have the gift of motivation and challenging the church. I believe the average Christian is under-challenged. We're just under challenge. We challenge our children all the time. You can do this. You can hit that ball. You can kick that ball. You can play that piano, whatever it is. We're challenging our children a lot. But I believe the average Christian is under challenge. And so I just want to challenge you this morning as the body and bride of Christ, as a church that meets here at the Grove. I want to challenge you today to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there was a politician that was running and he had this slogan. Make America great again, right? But I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not great again. It's always been great, amen? And so the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the body and bride of Christ. It's great. God's made it great. Jesus himself established the church. And so we need to understand the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we are. You are the church. So don't ever forget that. It's not this building. It's not this thing called the grove. You're the church. 
Uh, they could put a skating ring in here. You could, this building would hold a lot of hay, right? So you could use this building for a lot of stuff, but it becomes the church when you come in. When you and I come in, we are the church. And by the way, when you leave, you're the church. At Walmart or wherever you go eat, you're the church because the church is the body and bride of Christ. So sometimes we miss that, we miss that great, uh, great point that we are the church. And so I want to talk to us about that today and just really understand we are the church. Our, our, our country is in a mess. Our country, our culture, uh, we need to make it great again. But the church has always been great because Christ is great. The church is great because the Lord Jesus Christ himself is great. And he's the one, after all, that established the church. And so we need to be reminded of that today. And so uh, God, let me ask you this. Does God expect his church to be great? This is not a trick question, okay? Uh, yes or no? Yes. Right. God expects his church to be great. Now, let me, let me give you another test. Who is the church? We are. So does God expect you to be great? Oh, yeah. He expects me to be great. He expects me to be a, a great Christian, if you will. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We make mistakes. Lord goodness, David made mistakes, right? The apostle Paul made mistakes. Peter made mistakes. Denied Christ three times. So we're not perfect, but we're being made perfect. We have a perfect Christ who established his perfect church, if you will. Even though we're not great, we're in a perfected mode of being great because we are the church. We've been made great because he is great. Don't ever undersell or underestimate who you are. You are Christ's child if you're a Christian. You're the body and bride of Christ. And so we are great because he is great. Now, Jesus established his church. We know that. We find that in Matthew 16, 18. Listen to this. And Jesus is speaking with Peter. You know, Peter's always the one that puts his mouth, uh, in his, uh, his foot in his mouth and speaks up, right? And made a mess of things. But I'm gonna tell you something. He got it right, right here. He got it right in Matthew 16, 18. He said, and Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on the rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What, what was that? What did Peter say? Jesus said, who does Peter's people say I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's exactly who Jesus is. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so he established his church and God's church is great. Now, who are we in the church? What does the Bible say? Who does the Bible say that you are? And I am, as the body and bride of Christ, we are his children, right? We've been adopted. We've been adopted. We're joint heirs with Jesus. The Greek word is ekklesia. The ekklesia means we're the called out ones. It's mentioned in 1 Peter 2.9. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2.9, we're the called out ones. Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, speaking of Israel, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you, that's us, who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. I was called out of darkness on October the 30th, 1979. I was a hellion, 27 years old, living a life of compulsive gambling and all the stuff that goes with it. 
And then 3 o'clock in the morning, I got on my knees because my wife had accepted Christ three months before and I saw a change in her life. And I was desperate and I needed, I needed what my wife had. And I got on my face in that closet and I began to squall. I mean, I wasn't crying. I was blowing snot bubbles. Amen. Can I get a witness? You know what that is, right? And I mean, I was squalling. All I said was this, God saved me. God saved me. I didn't know how he was going to do it. I didn't know, I didn't know what about, thing about the Lord, really. All I knew is I needed him. And I said, God saved me. And in that moment, three o'clock in the morning in that closet, I became a transformed person. God transformed my heart and he transformed my life. I didn't understand what happened to me then, but as I began to read the word of God and sit under teachers and sit under preaching, I began to understand what happened to me. The Holy Spirit of God came into my heart at that moment when I said, God saved me. And I've never been the same since. I never thought I could be a Christian, much less a preacher. And God's that way. You know, God uses the most unlikely people. Amen, Glenn? The most unlikely people God will use to do great things because he's great. And you can do great and mighty things through Christ who strengthens us in him. And so we are the church. We're the called out ones. And God loves his church. And so I want to talk to you about that. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but there's two things that refer to us as Christians in the Bible. Number one is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Let me share that with you in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, if you have a genuine leather, just a leather or plastic, right? You may have an iPhone. It doesn't matter. Open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at verse number 12. And we're going to talk about the body of Christ. Watch what Paul says. The church is made up of many members, right? Look in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that are that one body being many are one body. Watch this. Also is Christ, the church. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body where the Jew or Greek Black or white, red or yellow, rich or poor, whether slave or free, all have been made to drink into that one spirit, that one body, right? There's only one Jesus. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Lord. There's only one baptism that you're baptized into Christ, right? Now, you could say two because then you're water baptized as a reflection of what happened to you inwardly through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're baptized by water to show the world that you belong to Christ. It's a symbolic baptism, water baptism of what's happened already in you. That's why you're already saved before you get into baptistry. You don't get baptized to get saved. You're already saved when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? Y'all do say amen here, right? All right. I know you do. All right. All right. Amen. We sang about that many times. We said, amen. So say it with me. Amen and amen, right? So be it. Now, understand who you are here. You're a member of this body, the body of Christ, the church. Now, you're only one member among many members. That's what Paul's trying to teach us. But you are a part of this church, the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a local church. The Grove is a local church, a universal church, which all churches, all Christians are part of the universal church. But Christ established his church locally. Paul planted many churches. Jesus spoke to the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3, the local 
uh, like Rome and Ephesus and, 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 and all of those other churches, Thessalonica, those were local churches like the Grove is right here. You're a part of that. You're a part of the universal church of Christ, all the people in everywhere and every land who are Christians. And then you're part of the local body here, but you're a member of this body. So I want you to understand that you're the body of Christ. Now, I hear this sometimes. People say, well, I just don't like an organized church. I just like to go out and do my own thing and all that. I just don't like to gather with the church and all that. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to be a part of the body? Oh, I love Jesus. I love the head. I just don't really be a part of the body. Why? I mean, you love the head, but you don't love the body. It's like I tell my wife, you got a beautiful head, but I just don't like your body. I mean, I love her all. Amen. So why would you love the head of the church and not love the body of the church and gather with the saints? Amen? It doesn't make sense to me. Agent Rogers said something I thought was very interesting. Agent Rogers had a great quote. And let me find it in my notes here and I'll give it to you. But Agent Rogers said something. It's on this page, right? I can't quote it verbatim. Oh, oh let me find it. See, I, I, I'm getting, I mess up when I start using notes. Agent Rogers said this, a body with no head is dead, and a body with two heads is a freak. <laughs> so we only have one head in the church, that's Christ, but you also, and I'll get to this in a moment, you also have the shepherd, Christ is the chief shepherd, but Ross is your shepherd. He is your pastor, right? And I'll get to that and explain that in a moment, because I want you to understand this thing called the church. I really do. There's another word used for the church. It's called the bride of Christ, right? The bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ, but we're also the, uh, the, uh, the bride of Christ. Now, in Revelations chapter 19, listen to this. This is what the Bible says. If you want to turn there, you can. Revelations 19, I'll read it. Verse 7. Revelations 19, 7 says this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, Christ, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Now, this is in heaven. John's writing this, the revelator. And his wife has made herself ready. Now, who is the wife that's referenced here in Revelation 19, 7? Who's the wife? We know the Christ is the bridegroom. He's going to prepare a place for his bride. He's going to adorn her in white robes. So you and I are the bride of Christ. Do you know that? We're going to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be married in heaven. And guess what we're going to be like? There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more cancer, no more heart attacks, no more tears, no more death. And you'll be dressed in bright, radiant white. I mean, Christ was in the white. He's coming back on a white horse and white, glorious white. And you're going to be in white robes. And we're going to worship him as the bride of Christ. Can you imagine that Jesus refers to you and I as his bride? Let that sink in for a moment. Did you know that Christ calls you the bride of Christ? I'm his bride. You're his bride. You know, I have a bride of 50 years. My wife, Patsy, she's in Sunday school today. She didn't come. She's already heard all these sermons anyway. But anyway, she didn't, want to, she didn't come today. But she's my bride. And I'll never forget when we got married on July the 20th, 1973, long time, almost 50 years. I'll never forget when she came down that aisle dressed in white. 
And some of you brides, same thing. You look better on that day than any other day, believe me. Because you're dressed in white. You're radiant. You're glowing. And us grooms are standing there. Our knees are shaking. And there you come. And you take the hand of that wife. And she's your bride. And that's what's going to happen to us when we get to heaven. Christ is going to take our hand. He's going to say, welcome, my bride. Amen? The marriage supper of the Lamb. You're the bride of Christ. You're the body of Christ. So that's why we need to live for Christ every day. Live for him. And so we're his bride and body. Now, I said all of that as introduction. And I'm going to try to let you out on time, right? I'm, my people at Lindsay Lane called me Pharaoh. They said, man, let us people go. But anyway, uh, sometimes I have a, a, a gift of not closing, all right? But, uh, so I want to be brief. But I, here's what I want to share with you. This is the heart of the message. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to give you the biblical formula for being a great church. Now, the Grove is a good church. It may be a great church. Lindsey Lane's a good church. I think it's a great church. I think this is a great church. Great worship this morning, by the way, brother. Great worship. Great crowd for 9 o'clock. So thank you for being here. Now listen, I want you to understand a biblical formula for making the church great or being the church as great. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. I want to dive right in. I'm going to be quick, so listen quick. I've got a, a deaf, they're going to have a, uh, sign language for me in the second service. That's going to be a tough job, whoever that is. I can tell you that because sometimes I speak in broken English language. Anyway, chapter 4. Now watch this, verse 7. If you got, if you got there, are you there yet? I'm not. Ephesians 4, I'm there. Right, all right, Ephesians 4. Look in verse 7. Look in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. Did you know that each one of us has a gift? You say, well, I don't have one. I don't know what it is. I'm just here as a member. You do have a gift. You just need to find out what it is. Everybody in the body and bride of Christ has been endowed with at least one gift. So what is it? Have you discovered it yet? Have you prayed about it? Sometimes people around you say, man, you, you do this or you do that. You got the gift. I'm sure Glenn's been, Glenn's been told, you got the gift of song, man. You got a great voice. Well, that's a gift. He's used it this morning for the body of Christ. What if he just sat on it, never sang? What if these musicians never played? See, they have a gift. They're using it for the edification of the body of Christ. That's why God gives us gifts. And he explains it right here in the text. Look in verse number 11. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Some are teaching right now as I speak. Now, I'm preaching. You know why? I've got the gift of preaching. God's made gave the gift of being a pastor. That's my role. That was my role at Lindsay Lane. I was their pastor, their shepherd. That's what God gifted me to be. God didn't gift me to lead the music. He had another guy doing that. He didn't lead me to play the drums or the piano. Somebody else had that gift, right? I had my gift, which was edification and preaching and encourage the church, and I used that gift. Now, everybody in here has a gift. We need to use it. Why? Now, these are gifts of leadership. Verse 11 is gifts of leadership. Do you know that God gives leadership to the church, right? 
And so you have a pastor and you have Sunday school teachers and so forth. And so he gives specific gifts of leadership to the church. Now, the thing about that is everybody needs to know their role. Now look in verse 12. Why did he give the gift of leadership to the church? Why did he? Well, verse 12 tells us. Here it is. Look at it. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now look at that. Listen very carefully. He gave leadership, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. So you have a pastor whose gift is to encourage you, to help you grow in the Lord, to preach the gospel to you. That's his role, right? Ross knows his role. Glenn evidently knows his role very well, right? He's, he's a worship leader. That's his role. So what's your role? Now here's what happens in the local church. Listen, some people try to be the pastor. It's not their role. <laughs> Amen. That's why churches split. Because people try to take control of a role that God didn't gift them to be. Amen. You have a shepherd. His name is Ross Clemens. That's his role. It's only the role in here that leads the church in preaching and leading the church as a pastor. Now, everybody else has their role. You may have the role of gift of mercy, the gift of uh, encouraging one another. We got people in our church at Lindsay Lane that had the gift of writing letters to people and cards and just encouraging people. That was their gift. They used it. So everybody has a gift, but you've got to know what your role is. Now, Ross's role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Your Sunday school teacher is equipping you to do the work of the ministry. We're all in this together. And by the way, listen very carefully. This is a great statement. You may want to write it down. We're all ministers and we're all missionaries. When you go to Walmart, you're on mission. When you go to Indiana, wherever you visit, relatives, whatever, you're on a missionary journey. It's not just the pastor is to win people to Christ. We're all to win people to Christ. It's not just the pastor that visits hospitals. We all visit the hospitals. You see, when I get to a hospital, when I was pastor, and I, ta I taught our people this at a very, very early stage in the role of Lindsay Lane when I was there. God gave me this formula, and I taught it to our people, and they caught the vision. And when I go to the hospital, you know what happened? The sick person laying there, they said, oh, my Sunday school's already been here. They've already called. They've already sent flowers. They've already been here. The deacons have already been here. Because they caught the role that I'm to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're all in the work of the ministry. Not just the pastor. He's fulfilling his role. And you say, well, he gets paid. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and guess what? You're going to get paid one day as well. We all are. That's just his calling, as Paul said. So, so do you understand that? Do you understand that we all have a role here? We're all the body and bride of Christ in this together to edify the body of Christ? It's all of our, our role. Now watch this, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith. See, we're teaching one another. We're growing as Christians in the church until we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, complete, and we're getting there, we're not there yet, to a complete man, to the measure of the statue and fullness of Christ. See, we're all growing into the unity of the body of Christ. And that's why you need to grow as a Christian. 
I need to grow as a Christian. You never, I, well, I'm a retired pastor now. I'm still growing in Christ. I'm getting to preach. I'm still uh, reading my Bible every day. I'm, I'm in my devotions every morning because I want to keep growing until I stand before Jesus one day. And see, what happens is when you utilize your gift and you understand that we're the body and bride of Christ, it brings unity to the body of Christ. Everybody's not jealous of each other's gifts. Well, I can't believe it. I'm not the eye. I'm just an old ear. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about that. Uh, you're not the eye. You're not the ear. The elbow, the arm. The arm has its role. The eye has its role. The ear has its role. The eye's not the ear. The ear's not the eye. Right? It's the body. And every member of my body functions so I can do this. <laughs> Amen? I didn't even fall down. Why? Because my legs are working with my body. My brain says jump. And the legs and the feet and the ankles, they all work together so I can be happy and jump around. And that's the way it is in the church. The church is happy. The church is functioning when all the members are unified. That's what's wrong with our country. We're just not unified. Everybody wants to do this and be that and do that. And we're just yeah, yeah against each other. And when it comes in the church, it's ugly. But when you got a church that's unified and working together and everybody utilizing their gift and they're loving on each other, encourage one another. We're not jealous and envy of each other's gifts. Right? Well, I could sing that solo. Goody, she did. Then sing it. <laughs> if you got the gift of song, get up there and sing it. But don't be jealous of her for singing. Right? Well, I could preach that message. He's preaching better than him. Then preach it. If God's called you, but if he hadn't called you, use the gift he's given you. Amen. This is not complicated. It's really not. It's really just biblical. Knowing our role and knowing what God's called us to be and to do. And see, verse 14 talks about just maturing. Look at it. That we should no longer be children. By the way, what do children do? Anybody in here got brothers and sisters? Oh, yeah, I do too. You know what brothers and sisters have a tendency to do? <laughs> Fight! We do. My brothers and sisters, man, they need all the ice cream. I get so mad, I start throwing things at them. And we just fought. And listen, in the church, guess what we're called? Brothers and sisters. Brother Ross, Brother Glenn, Sister Sue. We're brothers and sisters. We have a tendency sometimes to get out of our character as a Christian and nah, 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 right? That's not right. We shouldn't do that. That's flesh. So we're to come to that place where we're maturing as Christians. I preach in a lot of churches, and I've seen churches where they're very immature. Because they're bickering over this, they're fighting over the color of the carpet, they're fighting over who's got doing that and fighting over this and not being unified and coming together and exercising their gifts and uni unification in the body of Christ. Well, I've got to get ready to close here. Look what verse 14 says, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine the trickery of men, that's the devil, he's deceitful. 
the cunning craftus. By the way, you can't just always live on, well, that's what grandma said. Well, what did Jesus say? <laughs> what does thus saith the Lord say? I tell you what, my uncle taught me that. Was the uncle right? Was it going to line up with the standard of the Bible? Right? So we hear all this stuff out there. Ah, the Bible's outdated. It's just an old book wrote, written by an old bunch of guys. Mm -mm. It's still the Word of God. Amen? It still stands. It still works. And so don't be tossed to and fro. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Watch this. Speaking the truth in love that we may grow up. There it is. That we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. He's the head of the body. I'm the body. I'm the bride of Christ. And so we come together as a body and bride of Christ. Isn't that awesome to know that? That we're the body and bride of Christ. Amen and amen. I think that's the cue, right? So I'm going to get ready to close. But listen, as I do close, listen to this. If you want to be a great church, the Grove, if you want to be part of a great church, Pray about what God's gifted you to do. Find out what it is and start serving the Lord. There were two girls when I came up. You know what they were doing? They put the signs out on the road. That's their gift. They just go out there and put the sign out on the road. Somebody's got to do it. They did it. Maybe people see that sign and come in here. But they just went out there and did it. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody does what God gifted you to do. And do it. And do it in love and truth and harmony and spirit and unification. And God will bless this church when you use his formula. And the church is always great. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for the instruction of your word. Lord, you've taught us how to live. You've taught us how to be. You've taught us how to mature and be mature in the word of God. So, Lord, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for this 9 o'clock service. Thank you for these wonderful people. They've been so attentive. I pray that, Lord, you would bless them. And, Lord, if anyone in this place today that needs salvation, maybe they say, well, I don't have a gift. I don't even know if I know the Lord. I don't know if I'm saved or not. Maybe they need to be saved this morning. That's one thing they need to do. They need to be saved and be a child and part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. So I pray they may come this morning as we have an invitation. Some may want to come and just say, Lord, help me to understand my gift. Lord, I haven't been utilizing it, and I want to be part of the body. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to be a, a mature Christian. I really want to grow in the Lord. I know I'm not perfect, but I want to be maturing and growing in the Lord. They want to come. Maybe they want to join the church. Maybe they need to be baptized. Only you know, Lord. Draw people to you now as we come, as we sing. And, Lord, I pray they would come in Jesus' name.